0: Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you're encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter, let me get there, hold on just a second, Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. Got a lot of scripture this morning. If you have your Bible apps, you can just grab it there and open it up, and you can follow along with me as, we, um, as I talk about Scripture, as I talk about this, this message this morning. I, I titled this, the message simply this: "The Outsiders." On March 25th of 1983, there was a movie called "The Outsiders" that was released in theaters. Have you guys have ever seen it? One of the famous lines in that in that movie that I remember is "Stay golden" or "Stay golden, Pony Boy." I don't know why I remember that. That just that was part of the part of the uh, the uh, statements throughout the movie, and it had a lot of uh, different actors that are that are big actors today. But it was called The Outsiders, and in that movie there was a young men of uh, a young group of men called the Greasers. They were kind of a tough gang. They were kind of a low-income teenager, kind of a just different guys, and just a a, a group of guys that were from the other side of the tracks. And then in the other side of that, you had a, their rivalry for the Greasers was called the Socks. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say the Socks. They were more of a wealthier group of people. They were, they were come from the good side of the, of the tracks. And, and they, you know, they were just a, a different type of people than what the Greasers were. And they were constantly fighting. They were constantly going against one another. They were fighting over different things. They were fighting over all these different stuff that was happening around them. And they were two different groups that they had nothing in common. And so they were constantly fighting, constantly battling over something that was said or something that they that, that may have done. And so I don't know why I thought about that this movie this week, but it really felt like God laid upon my heart that that's the way we are sometimes with non-Christians. That sometimes we view them as we don't have anything in common with them. That it's like, it's like Republicans and Democrats, right? Right? It's like there's a constant battle. There's nothing ever the same going on. It's just constant fighting over what they said or whatever they said or whatever they're doing or whatever's happening over here. It's just a constant battle going on in their life. And so what I thought about this morning is this, is is that if we're not careful, that we as Christians will look at the outside world that's not like us, and we will look down on them. We will point fingers at them. We will look at their life and say, well, they're not like us. They don't think like us. They have nothing in common with us. There's nothing that, that can even bring us together because there's nothing that we, that we have in common. And so what I, I want to preach to you this morning is this. Is that even though as we're as a Christian, even though that we're believers this morning, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, is this. Is that we don't have it all figured out. But we can really display that we do to the outside world. That we don't have it at all together. That we're not perfect. That we have problems in our life. And, 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 and all these things that we think of in our life that, that, that we sometimes can live a life in front of those people. That, that we've got it all figured out. There's, that there's nothing wrong in our lives. That there's no problems in our life. And I want to tell you this morning is I have problems. That I'm not perfect. That there's situations in my life that, that God is dealing with me. But understand this this morning is that Jesus loves me just as, he, just as much as He loves them. But we can look at their life and we can look down on them and we can say things about them. And then you have the other side, the non-Christian group. And I hate to, I hate to categorize it that way, but that's sometimes how we see it. Christians versus non you got the non-Christian group. Who was? They just love everybody. Right? They welcome everybody in. They just love hanging out with people. They don't care what's going on. They don't care what kind of problems they're having in your life. They just want you to come on in and sit down and let's, let's just converse. Let's just talk about it. That's how they are sometimes. And I'm looking at this and I go, well, what, what if I was a non-Christian, what group would I want to hang out with? What group would I want to converse with? Would I want to converse with the ones that are, that are always looking down on me or they're always pointing fingers at me? They're always trying to find something in my life that's wrong. They're always trying to find something that they can judge me over. Or can I just want to be part of the group that just loves everybody? And so what God is telling me through this scripture is this, is that God, Chad, you're called to love everybody. Whether you agree with them or not, whether they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, it really doesn't matter. You're called to love everybody. But, but you're not called to look down upon them because they think differently than you do. We're to love them no matter how they think. We're to love them no matter how they live. Now, don't get me wrong this morning. God has called us to, set up, to be set apart as Christians. He's called us to be holy. I understand that. I, I believe that with all of my heart that we are to be different, that we are to be set apart. But it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be set apart to a point that we can't sit down and have a conversation with somebody that doesn't belong or that doesn't believe like we do. And so we're called to love. We're called to, to, to speak life into these people. We're called to, you know, to love these people and to do the things that God did as, as an individual. You know, Romans chapter 12, verses 2, it says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His, His good and pleasing and perfect will. You see, our goal as Christians, our goal as believers is this. We're called to be set apart. But we're not called to, for people to look at our lives and go, wow, man, look how much further along than they are than I am. Man, I look how further they are in their life than I am. Look how different they are than 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 I am. I don't think God's called us to be that way. Even though we're we're called to be different, is that we're called to love those people. And here's here's why I say that is this. I want you to look at Acts chapter four, verses thirteen. I said I read the scripture this this week and it really just inspired me. And it says this now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And here's what stuck out of me. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What made them different is not what they said, but that they that they viewed them or that people saw them as that they had been with Jesus. So what does the outside world see when they look at us? What do they see when they look at our lives? What do they think about the church? What do they think about those that have called themselves Christians? What do they think about? Because what I believe is this. When people see us, they should not see that we're different or that we live uh, you know, a, a holier thou life than they do. But they should see what that we have been with Jesus. Because we know and understand that it's where we are today that we, it's because of Jesus' life and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But if we're not careful, we will start looking at them, looking down upon them. They're not like us. They don't speak like us. They don't act like we do. And we'll get this self-righteous uh, indulgence or this religious spirit that we can't communicate with those people. Why? Because we think we're better than they are. Don't appear to be self-righteous. Don't appear to be to have a religious spirit because I'm telling you today that's not going to make a difference in someone else's life. When they see you, they need to see that you've been with Jesus. Because Jesus changes the life, not you. There's nothing that you can say, there's nothing that you can do that's going to change them. Only Jesus can change their life. So He's called us, yes, to be different. He has called us to be set apart. But let's not live it in a way that, they, that we have placed our hands up that they can't come to us. But when they see us, what do they see? Man, He's been with Jesus. He don't have a holier than thou attitude. He doesn't look down on me like everybody else does. That church has welcomed me in. That church has loved me. That's where, that's, where, that's where change takes place. Is notice that, man, they've been with Jesus. When we're in the community, what do they see, man? They've been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say about my life. It's not that, that I'm holier than thou or that I've been, you know, that I live up here and they live down here, but man, they've been with Jesus. Just uneducated just common men, that they've been with Jesus. You see, Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. He had a problem with the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees always were looking down on other people. They were always pointing out their faults. They were always saying, well, you're not like me. You don't act like me. You don't think like me. You don't dress like I do. So Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. And I want to tell you this morning, if you live that type of life, Jesus is going to have a problem with you. Because He has not called you to live that way. He's called you to love people and and, and minister to them where they are in their life. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 2 says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. And I was looking over my sermon this morning, I looked at that scripture where it says, clothe yourself with compassion, and it made me think of the story of the prodigal son. And I want to read it to you this morning, and it's not in your notes or on the screen It says this in verse 20. It says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. For he ran to him, uh, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said these words to his father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But in in verse 22, the father says this. He says, But the father said to the servants, now that he changed his direction, He says, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine is dead and and he is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they begin to celebrate. What I saw about that this morning is that his son was filthy, was dirty, and he came to his father. And what did his father do? He wrapped his loving arms around him and he welcomed him where he was in that moment. He didn't point his finger at him. He didn't say, I can't, how dare you live the way that you do? Why did you blow all the blessings that I gave you? Why did you live that way? Why did you, he didn't say any of those things to him. But the Bible says that he ran to him and threw his arms around him and he began to love on him. And then he says to his servants, hey, go get a, go get a robe and let's put it on him. Let's, uh, a robe of compassion. In other words, at that day, that father took a robe of compassion and he covered up the ugliness of his son. Just like he does you and me. The robe of compassion, it covers up that ugliness of that, that we've lived or how we've done or how we've you know, lived our life. That robe of compassion just covers everything in that life. And he began to celebrate. Why? Because he was so excited to have a son home. He didn't care about how he lived. He didn't care about how he smelled. He didn't care about how he looked. He was just ready to celebrate because his son, who was lost, is now found. And that's the way we need to be with lost people is that when it doesn't matter how they look or how they smell or how they act. But when they get saved, man, we should celebrate and, and grab, a, uh, grab a robe of compassion and wrap it around them and say, I love you. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's be Jesus. Let's go change our hearts and our lives. That's what I saw when I read that scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 says this, and by that will, we have been made holy Through what? The sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The only thing that makes us different than the outsiders is that we've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are who we are because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It has nothing to do with what we've done. It has nothing to do with how we worship. It has nothing to do with, it has everything to do with the sacrifice of Jesus that He showed me. And that's the only thing that makes me different than than the outside world is that I've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm not better. I'm not holier. I've got the love of Jesus living in my life. And that's the way we need to be to those outsiders that come into our path every single day. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says this, Even on our best days, all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteousness acts... Or like filthy rags. Even on your best day. Even on your best day, your righteousness is still like filthy rags. But even because of the sacrifice of Jesus, He's cleaned you up. Righteousness is like, our even on our best day, we're still not righteous. We're still not who we need to be. So Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I said. Be wise in the way that we should act towards, what's the next word? Outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you, so that you may know how to answer Everyone. If you and I in the church are going to be successful in winning the lost, if we're going to be successful in reaching the broken, the confused, the outcast, the lonely, then you and I have to understand it's because the the love of Christ that is being shown to that person is what's going to change their heart and their life. You see, Paul is addressing the Colossians church about how important our prayer life should be and our personal witness just a couple of things this morning I want to share with you. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, he's only got two points. Just two points this morning. Number one is this. You better be a person of prayer. You better be a person of prayer. Look at verses 2 through 4. It says this. It says, devote yourselves to what? Prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that, we, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I said or as I should. The word devote there says this. It says give all or a large part of one time or resources to. You see, prayer doesn't have to be a 10 or 15 or 20 minute conversation with God in the morning. But prayer can be a conversation that you have with God all throughout the day. It doesn't have to be just a a time frame in the morning for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. But it can be a conversation that you would have with God all throughout the day. That when you're riding in your car or when you're, you're, when you're at work or when you're walking down the aisles of the grocery store, guess what? You can be praying for people. You can be praying for people in the store. You can be praying for persons sitting beside you at the red light. You can be praying for your family. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It can be all throughout the day. But you have to devote yourself to prayer. Because Paul is trying to get them to understand that prayer is important. Why? Because prayer connects you to the heart of God. And when you're connected to the heart of God, you find out what God loves. When you're connected to the heart of God, you find out what God loves. You know what? He loves people. So when you're connected to Him, you find out that God loves people. And, and, and you know what? We should love people too. We should love people too, even when they are not like us. The, the church at Colossia there was found by a man named, I'm going to do my best to, to, to say this, so I'm sure it's going to be wrong, Epirus. He was a disciple of Paul. So automatically Paul had a heart connection to this church because one of his disciples, one of the men that he poured into in his life, started this church. So Paul said, you know what, I'm going to not only just pray for this church, but I'm going to be there for this church because you've devoted your time to it. Just like you and I, God's called us to pray for this church. God's called you to pray for me. God's called me to pray for you. To lift you up every single day. So that while you're out there on the battlefield, that you're not losing, that you're winning. You see, Paul wanted the church to succeed. He didn't want it just to be a church, but he wanted it to be a church that reached out. He wanted this church to succeed. And I hope that you are sitting here today. I hope you want this church to succeed. I hope you want me to succeed in my life. Why? Because I want you to succeed. I want the best for you. I want God whatever God has for you. I want you to be able to live it and have it in your life. And so God's called us to love people. He's called us to love people. You see, the backbone of our life and the backbone of our ministry is this. It's prayer. It's prayer. When you connect to the heart of God, guys, you connect and you find out what's, what he's all about. Why? Because when you connect with him, guess what? You take him wherever you go. Zach, I want you to stand up with me this morning. I'll give Zach a big hand. So when God's called us to connect with him, God, we, we lock arms with Jesus. Come on, man. Get in here. <laughs> so here we are. You can say, you, I, I, I'll be Jesus, okay? That's cool. All right. So here we are. We've, we've connected with God. And so wherever we go, guess who's going with us? Jesus. Wherever we go, guess who's going with us? Jesus. We're ministering to people. We're talking to people. We're praying for people. We're in the, we're in the marketplace. We're in the streets. Wherever we are, he's walking with us. Wild because we've connected with him. And that's what he wants. Thank you, sir. He wants us to be connected to Him. Why? Because wherever we go, we take Him with us. You see, for too long, it's just been a Sunday morning kind of thing, right? We come in here on a Sunday morning, and we worship God on a Sunday morning, and we connect with Him on Sunday morning, and we do those kind of things on Sunday morning. Well, what about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? What about Thursday or Friday or Saturday? God says, listen, I want to connect with you on Sunday, absolutely. But man, I want to connect with you Monday through Saturday. Why? Because that's when you're out there in the battlefield. That's when you're speaking to people. That's when you're talking to people. Not to look down on them, but you're just showing the love of Jesus to them. So you better be connected to them. Why? Because God loves people. If you, if God did not love you today, guess what? You wouldn't be where you are today. God loves you. God's concerned about us. He wants us to connect with him. I had this crazy analogy in my mind the other day as I was preparing this sermon. And, it, and, and again, when I, when I say it to you, you're like, well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Just, just flow with me this morning. Just say the doctor came to me and said, hey, Pastor Chad, or he didn't call me pastor. Hey, Chad. Sorry. He says, Chad, I got some bad news for you. I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? I guess the, ba- I guess the bad news. Um, you're not going to make it. Oh, man. What? And then he says, well, I got some really good news. I got a way that you can save your life. Oh, really? How is that? Just, just keep praying. Just pray for yourself every single day. Just Don't stop praying. Just keep praying. Oh, really? So all I have to do is pray and my life will be saved. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Guess what I'm going to be doing? Praying. Constantly. I'm going to be praying cuz I don't want, I don't want my my life to stop. I want to keep going. And so that's how do we reach people? Prayer. Connected to the heart of God connecting to the heart of God, praying, devote yourself to prayer, not just every, once a, a year or once a month or once a quarter. You devote yourself to prayer. You, you devote your resources. You devote your time to pray for people and to pray for the church and to pray for the leadership of the church. Why? Because that's what God's called us to do. and That's what Paul was telling the church. Devote yourselves to prayer because it's important. He said you need to be watchful, you need to be thankful, you need to be watching what's going on around you, but you need to be thanking God and giving God praise or what, with what's happening through your prayers. Paul understood the importance of prayer in reaching the lost. In verses 3 through 4 it says this, he says, pray for us. Pray for us that, that God may open a door for our message so that, when, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You see, Paul didn't ask for individual prayer about his needs. Even though there was a lot of needs in Paul's life. But Paul prayed and said, listen guys, pray for us. So that when we're ministering to this in the streets, when we're in the, in the grocery stores, wherever we're walking around, pray for us so that God would open a door so that we can share the message of Christ with somebody. Pray for us as we're out in the streets. Pray for us as we're walking around so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am now in chains. Paul is writing this letter, guys, when he's in prison in chains because he has this love and desire to share the gospel with the people. And even while he was in prison, he was praying, guys, you got to keep going. You got to keep moving. You got to keep witnessing. You got to keep praying. Because prayer opens doors that you will never be able to open in your life. Prayer changes things. As we saw in Paul's life, prayer changes things. He says, guys, say a prayer for me. Say a prayer for my team. So that we can not only share the, the love of Christ, but what people will understand. So people will understand what we're saying. Make it clear so that as we're talking to people that, we're, that, that they understand what we're talking about. The more we pray, the word of God becomes more clear to us in our life. The more we're connected to God, the word of God becomes clearer to us in our life. Prayer connects us to the heart of God. So number one, you better be a person of prayer. And number two is this. What does the outsider see? In verse 5, it says, be wise in every way, in every way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, we're living in a day and a time where people are looking for real. People are looking for authenticness. People are looking for people who don't just play a part, but they are the part. They want to actually know that we love them, that we're not actually trying to get something from them. And sometimes that's how the church can be. The church can put off this this attitude that we're trying to get something from you. But here's the deal. We want to give you something. We want to love you. We want to be there for you. We want you to know and understand that we actually love you, that we're not just wanting your money. That, we have, that God has a plan for your life. He has a ministry for your life. And we want to help you to connect what that is God has for your life. So we want them to know that we actually love them. That we don't just looking for something from them. Do they see people who are interest, in, interested in them in their life? What do they see when they see us? Here's what I hope they see in my life is this. That I'm not perfect. That I don't have it all together. But, that I, but I am a work in progress. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I have problems in my life, but I am a work in progress. That Jesus loves me. That God loves them just as much as he loves me. Our goal should be for people, again, as I said earlier, I'll say it again. When people look at us, they should say these words. Look how much they look like Jesus. Look how much they look like Jesus. Because here's what I know and understand in my life is Christianity can either make or break the outside world. We can either draw them in or we can push them away. How does the world see us? How does the world see the church? How does the world see us in our life? That we're flawed in our life, but God changed me. No matter how bad things get in their life, there's always hope. God can change any situation in their life. God can change their heart in a moment. The world is looking for somebody who is real. They're looking for somebody who has the tenderness of God. They're looking for somebody who, is, who just will, will just tell them the truth in their life. Think about the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. I don't know who put this up here. I hope it's not yours. Uh, but I will take it home and clean it now. Sorry. But whoever put it up here, thank you. Um, think about the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. He never looked down on her. He never brought up her past or her present. He just looked at her and He loved her. He just sat down and He had a conversation with her. He didn't say, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I look better than you. I smell better than you. He never said those things. He just sat down and He had a conversation with Him and the Holy Spirit began to deal with her life. He said it in a way that it opened her mind to something else. He wasn't just saying words, but he said it in a way that opened her mind to something else. And then he began to talk about things in her life and how she could change. Jesus had a crowd everywhere he went. Why? Why did Jesus have a crowd? Because he was loving on people. There was something that the outsider saw in Jesus that drew drew them to him. Now, I understand that he was doing miracles and all those kind of things. But there was something about him that just made people go to him. And that's what I want about my life. is that I just want people not to be drawn to me, but to be drawn to the Jesus that lives in me. Because that's where things change in their heart. Again, the world is looking for people who are real. That will sit down and just have a conversation with them and love on them. But do it in a way that, that will speak to where they are in their life. Ephesians chapter four verses twenty nine. It says this: it "says Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth." And, this, and then he says this: "But only what is helpful for building others up, according to what does he say? Their needs, not your needs, but their needs. Building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Talk to talk to them in a way." Be Jesus to them in a way that you're speaking to their needs, not your needs. And when they talk, or when you're talking to them, they're going to listen. You see, we only have a short time to impact people for the kingdom of God. Paul says, make the best of every opportunity. Verse 6, it says, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our conversations with people should leave a good taste in their mouth. Our conversations with people should leave a good taste in their mouth. That we do it in a way that they want to come back and hear more. It should leave a a taste in their mouth. A good taste, not a bad taste. A good taste. So that they will want to come back and hear more of what you have to say about Jesus. Mark chapter 4 verses 50 says this. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? having salt among yourselves, and be at peace with each other. You see, when Jesus came into the town, Zacchaeus was in a tree. But Jesus said something to Zacchaeus that made Zacchaeus jump out of the tree. There was something that was said to him that day in that conversation that may not be recorded in the scripture, I don't know. But he said something in a way that it made Zacchaeus jump out of the tree to stand there in front of Jesus. And then he says this, I'm going to your house to eat with you. I'm going to, ha- to your house to eat with you, Zacchaeus. He didn't say, I know that you've stole money from people. I know that you've done bad in this community. I know that you've cheated people. He didn't say any of those things. He just said, hey, I'm going to your house to eat today. So in that moment, he said something that le- left a good taste in Zacchaeus' mouth to the point that they went home and had a conversation. And in that moment, Zacchaeus' life changed. Something changed in Zacchaeus because of something that Jesus said in his life. Ephesians 5, verses 16 says this, "...making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil." Shelby, if you would, I want you to come on up this morning if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 12, it says this, "...words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips." 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says this, Believe in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against uh, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Give an answer to everyone who asks, Why are you happy? Why do you have hope? Why do you act this way in your life? Why do you live this way in your life? God says, Be prepared to give them a reason why you live that way. Give them a reason why you have hope. Give them a reason why you love them. Give them a reason why you act the way that you do. He says, Be prepared to give them a reason why you you have hope. That's what He says. In that scripture, do it with gentleness and respect. Why do you have hope? His name is Jesus. Why do you do the things that you do? His name is Jesus. Why do you love those people? It's called Jesus. Jesus first loved me. Jesus first loved me in all of my filth in all of my nastiness, in all of my craziness, in all of the sin that was in my life, Jesus first loved me. He loved me. Just like He loves you in your life. When you came to Him, you were broken. You were bruised. You were lost. He didn't look at you and go, shame on you. Why did you do those things? Did He? He didn't do that to me. But you know what He did? He said, Chad, I love you. And he took his arms of love and he wrapped them around me. That's what he did for me. He covered up my nastiness. He covered up my filthiness. He covered up all the things that I dealt with in my life and still does today. It wasn't that one time. But you know what? When I woke up this morning, God's grace covered me. God's love covered me. Why? Because I need it today. I need it right now as I'm speaking to you. I need God's love and God's grace to love the world and to show them, why do you, why do you have hope? Well, simple. His name is Jesus. Paul says in, in the Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the English Standard Version says this way. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering of sacrifice to God. Paul says, listen, imitate Jesus. Be like Jesus. Love like Jesus. That's what he kept saying over and over and over again. Even when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was still loving people. The ones that slapped him on the face, the ones that plucked his beard out, the ones that stuck a spear in his side, the ones that put thorns on his head, the ones that drew nails in his hands and his feet, guess what? He was still loving those people. He was still loving those people. Just like He's called you and I to do the same thing. Imitate God. To be lovers of God. Imitate Jesus wherever you go. You see, when we're called to imitate Jesus' life, Jesus' life is built on prayer and loving people. Build your life around prayer. Be a person of prayer. So that when the outside sees you, that they see Jesus. That's what God's called us to live, to to be when they see us what do they see? I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you so join us Sundays at 10:30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6:30 p.m.. Have a blessed day.